Well, the the whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this. We we need to go through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by, you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that the um, that this that this phenomenon is um, comes from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that it can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit the domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, go conditioned here? Yes. interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. That's called feedback, and we don't want that. No. No. Uh, if people are hearing us, please say something because this is a um, this is a special edition live from Mexico City. I'm here with uh, Miguel Romero, aka Red Pill Junkie. Hola, gente. And um, I've been here for a week. Since last Tuesday, I've been in Mexico City visiting here because I just needed to get away because of stuff that's been happening in my, happening in my life recently, and I am glad and happy. I did it, and I also thank people for being patient with me um, uh, while we, uh, we, the royal we, um, <laughs> regroup to do this show. So it is Monday, March 16th, which is a national holiday here in Mexico. What's the holiday? Uh, the birth of Benito Juarez. Ah, for those who don't know, <laughs> quien era Benito Juarez? Uh, Benito Juarez is one of the most, one of our most important historical figures. He was a president of Mexico in the 19th century when Mexico was going through a very difficult time. Uh, we were invaded by France 
And also on top of that, there was a, uh, uh, almost like a civil war between the, the, a faction of conservatives and a faction of liberals. Uh, Benito Juarez also has the distinction of being the only Mexican president that was of uh, Native American descent. Mm. So that is why he has attained uh, a almost uh, iconic stat- status. You, we could, you could say that Juarez is to Mexico like Lincoln is to America. In fact, the two of them were friends. There was a moment when uh, Juarez uh, had to get out of the country and for a while he stayed in, in the United States. He even stayed in New Orleans. I remember when we went to Paramania in New Orleans, I was so excited that I actually saw a sculpture of, of, of Benito Juarez there. You know, I guess uh, some testimony to uh, his brief state as a refugee. But yeah, that is the reason why we commemorate. We actually commemorate on, uh, on March 21st, you know, coinciding with, uh, the beginning of spring. But, uh, nowadays they tend to like, uh, uh, switch those holidays. So they make uh, long weekends instead of just, you know, interrupt the week on uh, Wednesday or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and today was kind of weird because one, it's a holiday, and two, we're you know we're in the time of disease, and so it was probably quieter than it normally would have been, even though the subways were crowded. Yes, we're riding the subways. It was probably a stupid idea for for me to ride the subways. I don't know about Miguel; he may have he might have better resistance than I do. <laughs> no idea. Um, but uh, yeah, it, to bore everybody, I don't care if people get bored. Um, uh, Miguel gave me a map of the Mexico City area and said, here are places you might want to visit. There was like a hundred places on there. <laughs> Give no, or no, take. He, yeah, well, he was giving me choices. Yeah. So, um, actually, we did a lot for a week. I mean, it was just the exact amount of stuff to do at just the right pace. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he wasn't suggesting we should visit all these places. He just said, we're in this area. Mm-hmm. Here's all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So... The first day we actually went to the um, the pyramids at Tenochtitlan, which are, it's about probably what forty miles or something north of the city. Actually, that wasn't the second day because the first. Well, the first day we just went out and had tacos. <laughs> sure, but the first first uh, day we went to oh, the museum anthropology of anthropology. Museum. Yeah, looked at all the Mesoamerican uh, artifacts, mm-hmm. which are you know mind blowingly amazing. Yeah, um, the entire history of. Uh, Central America, but mostly Mexico, from um, pre pre cult not not pre Columbian, but pre Aztec, pre Mayan, pre Olmec, which is I guess considered sort of the first uh, Mesoamerican civilization in Mexico. Yes, but there were people true. here before the Olmecs that had civilizations and built things, and there's still remnants of that too. That is true. Uh, those giant heads people see with the big lips, and the you know they find you all see the pictures of them in the jungle. Those are Olmec heads. That is Olmec heads, yeah. right? We're talking there five thousand years ago. Yeah, and the we, and the second day we went to Teotihuacan. Yeah, uh, which is uh, after the Olmecs and before the Aztecs, and 
that is considered, I guess, well, let, let's not bore people with a, a history lesson, but it's considered <laughs> pre-classic. We're talking 2,000 years, 1,500 years ago of this, uh, what is, was at the time the most important city, not in just Mesoamerica, but in the entire American continent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Greg and I managed to climb on the Pyramid of the Sun, the Pyramid of the Moon, and of course, all these are given names. You know, they were given to, to the place by the Aztecs as they were passing by. It may, people make the mistake of thinking that that is uh, an Aztec city, but no. The Aztecs, when they first arrived to the, into the Central Valley of Mexico, found the city already in ruins, so it's that old. And when they found the, the magnificence of those ruins, they thought, well, only gods could have built something so majestic, and that's what they call Teotihuacan, the city where men became gods. But to be true, we don't know the real name of Teotihuacan, just as we don't know the names of the rulers of Teotihuacan is the kind of thing that... Uh, yeah, they had no written language. They have no written language. We, The archaeologists are trying to find the to- tombs of the rulers. They're, they're using uh, modern technology, robots, uh, the same way that... Ground uh, penetrating radar, things exactly. like that. Try to find a space. And they did find an underground space near a third pyramid. Mm-hmm. It's the pyramid, right? Yeah. That we went to. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would not even have known about that place if I wasn't with Miguel. Mm-hmm. And you see these pyramids. Um, you see them on TV or whatever. And it's this bare pyramid that they've probably uncovered because mm-hmm. they were probably just we were talking about. There were mounds in the dirt mm-hmm. when people first saw them, probably. Exactly. At least the, when the Spaniards got here. Yeah. And uh, when the archaeologists, whoever started to dig, they, they found the you know they found these ruins. But um, for some reason, a lot of them the the adornments on them, yes, statuary that was uh, um, attached to them and painted, mm-hmm. uh, was not there on those two pyramids. But Miguel took me to another one, which was the pyramid of. Temple of Quetzalcoatl is what okay. it's called. Uh-huh. And that had um, various Mayan, I'm sorry, Tenochtitlan gods mm-hmm. um, represented on them, such as, uh, what's the, the water god? Quetzalcoatl. Uh, yeah, has, uh, he, has, he says you can recognize him because he has these eyeballs that look like, it looks like he's looking through binoculars all exactly, the time. Exactly, almost like he has uh, eyeglasses. And yeah, they, they actually used these uh, uh, adornments in the eyes uh, made out of... Uh, Jade, yeah. you know, as always as they're using some for eyeglasses, although although without without the the, the actual glass, yeah, that is uh, Tlaloc, and also obviously uh, the feather serpent, famous all around the world, known as Quetzalcoatl, although uh, the Mayas also worshipped it, but mm-hmm. all they gave them the name of Kukulkan, but it's the it's the same deity. Mm-hmm. And from there... Uh, Y'all should be charging for these tours. I mean, I would have never learned all this. I knew some bare-ass amount of this stuff, but mm-hmm. um, not in this deep way. And, uh, you know, you point out these. I said, what is that? Is that a snake head? Or, yes, that's the snake. And that's, you know, but it's also combined with the jaguar head. Exactly. So um, these, the, even the animals were syncretized with two animals in one in some of the, the iconography. Exactly. Um, so, but it was amazing because you just see these bare pyramids usually and you don't realize that one of them still exists that has all these 
at least a lot of it. I mean, the thing right. isn't perfect, but yes. a great deal of it is still perfectly preserved. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think I saw uh, incised into them uh, conch shells because I guess right. that was valuable to them or part mm -hmm. of their, their religious symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I saw like a giant seashell embedded in like the ear hole thing of one of the gods. Right. It looked like a giant seashell. It was just white. And it looked like I could see a shell, actually a big like clam shell or something. Right. Water was uh, extremely important to all these cultures. Oh, yeah. And there's water um, symbolism all around right. the pyramid, like waves. But they could also be snakes because snakes symbolize exactly. the water as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot survive in a, in a uh, semi-irid uh, environment like Mexico without water and, and it's interesting many of these uh, structures are, are built above uh, subterranean bodies of water you know like in Chichen Itza uh, where they just discovered that uh, the famous uh, pyramid of Kukulkan the one that people go to see uh, every you know solstice and they see this spectacle of uh, the shadows that kind of give the impression that the snake is descending. Yeah. You know, uh, they just discovered that uh, with using ground penetrating radar, that it was built on top of uh, what we call a cenote, you know, one of these uh, natural uh, wells. Yeah. And people say, well, why will they do that? Well, they probably maybe there was a reason, not just a ritual one, maybe. You know, I'd like to imagine maybe a practical one. Yeah, because there was there was water in it, and they could since water was so important. It was I was talking to Miguel. It's like yeah. almost like the blood of the earth was water. Sure, sure. Because yeah. mm -hmm. they you know it flowed through streams and it flowed through springs and it was you know present underground and mm -hmm. so yeah. I mean they they made that uh, connection as the body of the earth also has blood, which is water, yeah. which sustained them just as blood circulates through the body and sustains people. Exactly. And so, from and from there we went to. Uh, the Basilica de Guadalupe, mm -hmm. you know, which is where uh, they have this giant uh, church. I think some people say it's the second largest Catholic center in the world after the Vatican in Italy. And it's, to me, it's interesting because Guadalupe is uh, or of Arab origin, you know, and according how's that? We're talking about the Virgin of Guadalupe, which yes. is the patron saint of Mexico, based on a right. miracle that happened in the uh, 16th century, I think? Yeah, just like 30 years after the conquest, something to that effect. Yeah. 1550, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember the exact date. Yeah. But obviously, Guadalupe, the Virgin of Guadalupe already existed a veneration in, in Spain. You know, so oh, they, I didn't know that. They already had a Virgin of Guadalupe in Spain that looks nothing like our version of Guadalupe. Mm. The version of Guadalupe in Spain is a, a little small icon, you know, and, and obviously it has a Caucasian white features. Yeah. Whereas this one, obviously everybody knows that it represents a young Indian woman that is about to give birth. You, you notice that she's pregnant and, you know, and that's the one that appeared miraculously, if you want to believe it or not, in, on the tilma, which is a, a, a very raw uh, cloth that it was worn by this uh, controversial, controversial figure of Juan Diego. Mm -hmm. I say controversial because, well, some historians 
don't believe he actually existed. Some people say it was an invention of the Spaniards to use it as a way to convert the Indians in Mexico. Whereas other people say, no, no, she, he actually existed, you know, but uh, everything is surrounded in myth. Yeah. Well, the, the story is that this um, Aztec Indian um, uh, came, well, you tell the story. This is what, this is, you know, hardcore Mexican mythology. Uh, this is yeah. what the civilization and the belief system and the Catholic religion in this country is built upon, or a great deal of it. No, the, 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 but we will say that this is the start. Uh, We're turning it uh, religious scholars. Not here. only of Mexico, but of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, the, the, the entire Latin American continent, the way that, uh, you know, these two, not only cultures, but the two, these two uh, races, Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, yeah, together. the Native American and the Spanish. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in what we will call the mestizaje, right? The, 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 Mestizos, the, the mixed race. Yeah. The mestizos, the mixed races. He's going to keep talking. I'm going to make tea. And <laughs> Please. Okay, p- the students pay attention. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the idea is that Juan Diego was uh, uh, already a convert Indian, who was uh, as a guy who lived way, way outside of, uh, of Mexico City, but every day he went uh, to Mass at uh, the, uh, the cathedral. It'll take him all day, Mo- go probably. down there in the morning, go to Mass, and then we'll go all the way back home. Exactly. To attend walking. To, to walking, yeah, to attend to his elderly uncle, who apparently was his only uh, fa- family relative. And one day, we're going to a, uh, near... Uh, a, a little hill called Tepeyac, where uh, before the arrival of the Spaniards, there was there a temple in honor of uh, Tonatzin, an, uh, an Aztec deity that is uh, like a motherly figure. You yeah. Say it's our so mother. This is absolutely perfect. Um, so symbolism, syncretism, based on a geographic spot. Exactly. That is where the legend goes that. Uh, this the glowing lady appeared to him and started talking to him in ancient Nahuatl, of course, which is the, the Indian the, language, the Aztec language, Aztec dialect, which is a very pretty language. Yeah, and, and the thing that I loved about this story is how it almost feels like uh, has some connections with the fae folklore. What I say about this is because mm. it's it feels very tricksterish in certain elements. Here is this lady that tells Juan Diego, I am the queen of heaven, and I have a message that you need to deliver to Bishop Sumarraga, which is, you know, the main bishop, uh, the main uh, Catholic authority in Mexico. And the message was that this lady wanted to have uh, a temple right there in Tepeyac, so she could uh, attend to the prayers of her people. You know, so obviously Juan Diego will say, well, uh, uh, why do you need me? You know, if you're, if you're this queen of heaven, why do you send me? And nobody's going to believe me. Yeah. But he goes anyway. And obviously uh, everybody laughs in his face. And Sumarraga will say, well, if what you're saying is true, uh, tell this lady that we'll need some sort of proof, right? And 
then uh, and to make this uh, short uh, story long story short long story short because there's a, a bit of other things happening the lady say okay okay they want a proof go to the top of that hill so you will find there uh, roses and bring them to me and Juan Diego was like what I mean it was the middle of December it's the winter so there are no he knew there were no roses growing at, time, at that time of the year well he goes anyway and guess what? He finds the roses and says, Oh, this is the proof that the lady wants him to take to the, the bishop. Yeah. He, go, he comes down, he uh, gives the, the roses to the lady. The lady takes the roses in her hands, puts them in uh, Juan Diego's tilma, and says, His okay, cloak. His cloak, and says, Now go and bring this to Sumarra. So. Where goes uh, Juan Diego again? Going all the way to Mexico City. With all these roses in his tunic. Probably freezing his ass off. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Nobody wants to uh, let him in. He goes anyway. And when he goes and says, okay, this is the the proof you wanted. And he brings down his cloak. All the roses fall in the the floor. But there, at that moment, uh, this image appeared uh, in front uh, of everybody who was gathered and the story goes that Sumaraga goes on her on his knees everybody believed him instantly and uh, that was like and the, the image was on the the, the tunic the tunic. Yeah. yeah so the, the thing is that to Catholics that which tunic, where there was no image before yeah not only that it was but, just plain white tunic we're talking about uh, a piece of cloth that has survived more than 500 years. Supposedly in the church, in this giant basilica they've built, yeah. in the middle of the church, yeah. there's this cloth yes. that has the image on it, which is supposedly the image that appeared on the... And mm-hmm. so, not you know, we're not sitting here saying the story, saying, this really happened, and it's yeah. historic. It's like, no, this is the mythology of the place. Yes. We don't know if that somebody just painted it on that piece of cloth or what. No, no. Maybe it appeared on the cloth. Who uh, knows? Uh, but you know, the point is, and there's the relevance here to the UFO subject. Mm-hmm. People, it's like the the point is not what actually happened. Yes. At least to a lot of people, but what the effect is and what people believe mm-hmm. and how that changed history, changed the culture, created a culture, yes. all this stuff. And also, let me point out that uh, there have been some uh, scientific studies conducted on, on the Tilma throughout the years. Oh. And one of the most interesting ones is a guy who actually uh, took very high-resolution images of the eyes in the, in the figure of the Tilma. And what... Just a second, I'm going to open the door. And what uh, this guy appeared to have discovered is like... The figures that were there at the time when Juan Diego took the Tilma, like, it's almost like the, the, this image is like what the, re- the reflection of the eyes of the Virgin and the scene that was there, almost as if... As if uh, you mean there's that kind of detail in, on the cloth? Yes, that you can, well, or at least there's a, a best, I guess, a bit of pareidolia, you know, say, well, right, right. these little figures you could say that. seems to be... A bearded person that I say, well, that's Sumarra, and that's another person, and that is another uh, person, the Indian that was uh, at the scene. But there is that. Yeah. And there's also others. Uh, uh, Wait, just a sec. 
This is something funny that happens on this street. Who's that? Listen. This is the sounds of Mexico City in 2020. In every street of Mexico, you'll hear that uh, guy selling uh, tamales. tamales, and it's just always the same uh, recording. <laughs> and, uh, I'm sorry. I just wanted people to hear that to let them know that we really are in Mexico City. Yeah. Because there's a guy going up and down the street with a cart. Um, with a recording of uh, this guy ta- selling <laughs> tamales. Uh, yeah, Oaxaqueño tamales. tamales. <laughs> oh, what else? Yeah, what, what, so, yeah, I, I did not know when we were there. If you, you had told me, I would have been even more dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Really? You know, but you you talk to a skeptical person, which, mm-hmm. you know, it could be true. It's like, well, yeah, sure. Aridolia. And yeah, I've seen so many, you know, everybody listening to the show knows this. Yeah. People, <laughs> look, there's an alien there. It's like, no, that's film grain. That's right. not an alien. It's, you're just looking. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting. So I'm sure if you look it up online, there might be something there that'll show you the uh, uh, images. Yeah. Is there oh. any anything else done to the um, the cloth? Like, did they test the half life dated radiocarbon data? I don't know if you do that with something that's 500 years old, but I, look at the see if there's dyes in it or what. Yeah, that, uh, apparently, although, I, although uh, I bet it would be inconclusive. Apparently, yeah, exactly. Apparently, there is no sign that uh, the colors in the tube are the product of pigments or that they were put there using some kind of uh, brush. brush or anything. Yeah. yeah, so there's you know also that. Yeah, uh, I think there's also been people who have studied the stars in the blue clock and the blue like cake. cloak. Yeah, that's uh, on. You uh, were were worn by the by the Virgin, that seemed to coincide with the, with the uh, constellations in the northern hemisphere at the time of uh, the the apparitions. Mm. So yeah, to me all of these, uh, and when I look and compare it to other Marian apparitions, would totally fascinate me, like uh, Fatima, yeah, or Lourdes. To me. It's talks to me about uh, a real phenomenon, maybe inter- reinterpreted through the cultural lens of that era, which was first uh, uh, the Aztec mythology, then the, the Christian mythology, maybe nowadays somebody, somebody will interpret it through another mythology, maybe the UFO mythology, mm-hmm. but yeah, as with it's almost in a way, as uh, Chris Bledsoe has been talking about a little bit. Right, and, the, and he also talks about a lady that appears yeah. in his yeah. house. And, and, well, maybe some people will say, well, that's Gaia, right? The, the, the Mother Earth or whatever. But yeah. uh, I feel that we should not dismiss these histories just because they were appropriated, I mean, even we could say exploited mm-hmm. by the status quo of the era, which is in this case yeah. the, the or Catholic the, or Church. The, yeah, or the, or the uh, dominant culture, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly, but never, nevertheless, I'm going back to if regardless of whether these uh, experiences uh, are real or not, or not the, the cultural impact is you know, undeniable. Yeah. Uh, here in Mexico, I tell Greg that many people 
call themselves Catholic, where in reality they are Guadalupians. You know, <laughs> they pray to the Virgin of Guadalupe. They don't pray to Christ or they yeah. pray to, to God. God is too impersonal. God is too uh, abstract. Whereas the Virgin of Guadalupe uh, is something more... It feels more close. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one, yeah, it feels like uh, in, instead of some sort of um, deity or um, incorporeal mm-hmm. type thing, it feels more like, well, this is somebody that actually appeared to somebody. She's yeah. identified with our culture. She, it's yeah. a woman. She, look, she looks like us. Yeah. You know, yeah she exactly. has dark skin like us. Yeah, yeah. And also, you could, so, you could also go and, and talk about uh, these uh, dark skinned virgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, which mm-hmm. seems to have some kind of like link to the Egyptian goddess Isis. Yep. You know, so you could go with this many, many, many ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, we also saw another. I mean, you, you saw about dark-skinned goddesses. It reminds you of Kali. Exactly. I was also thinking about um, the image we saw of the was it Mayan or Aztec goddess but, in in the anthropology museum. Which was basically a female figure with like snakes and heads around mm-hmm. her waist. Yeah, they had no contact with <laughs> with the Indian subcontinent whatsoever. Uh, yet exactly. there's this goddess mm-hmm. that is a goddess basically of destruction and death. It's right. a god, yeah. and you know, and it's it's echoed now in Santa Muerte as well. Totally, yeah. Like uh, without getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Well, we we can go back. We and can forth. we can go back. And but forth. one of the di- it's that kind of show. Yeah. One of the things we did today is we went to visit the Sonora Market, which uh-huh. is kind of like uh, one, an, our own version of Harry Potter's Diagon Alley. This is basically a witchcraft market. Yeah. Which you can find it's one of the uh, weirdest things I've ever done in my life. Next, yeah, me too. <laughs> I've never been there to be honest. Uh, and yeah, we you can see a chock full of. Uh, Images of Santa Muerte. Yeah, Black like, Virgin. There were all kinds of things. Yeah. Like, Jesus Malverde, which yeah. is the patron and, saint of the uh, drug lords. Yes, and he's he what you will, you will say is a narco saint, a folk saint, so a figure that is not accepted by the Catholic Church but is uh, venerated yeah. anyway. Yeah, so, that, uh, that was a strange. A strange trip today. I really wanted to go over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I told Miguel the weirdest thing I saw there, and I'll never forget in the rest of my life, is there was one section of the market that was all animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doves, pigeons, budgies, goats. parrots. <laughs> goats. They had goats there. Yeah. In this tiny little pen all shoved together so they could barely move. Yeah. And then when we were out on the street... This guy was carrying down the street on a, one of those hand carts, mm-hmm. uh, like a like that you move things with. Like, oh yeah. There was a five by five by probably one foot plastic cage. It was about a foot high. Yes. And there were probably about ten goats in there. And then when he turned the thing sideways, they all slid to one side. Yeah, yeah. And they were all p- piled on top of each other and all going yeah. Yeah. when they came by. Yeah, the which was things. cruel, surreal, and amazing, and. You know, I, I'll probably never see that again unless I come back and we'll go to that market. But, you know, and going through that market, it's like being in a, you know, it was like being in a, in, 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 in William Burroughs' uh, inner zone or something. You could get anything you wanted there probably just by asking. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, I looked Hispanic enough that nobody, <laughs> nobody really bothered. I, I knew if I opened my mouth, yeah. I might be in trouble. Yeah. I just shut my mouth and walked through that thing. It's... It's not as fast as I could, but at like a normal pace with Miguel behind me, I was just like, 
okay, I'm going to drink in this experience. I'm looking for stuff to buy, but I mostly I'm just looking at the, just the weirdness around me that just, the, you know, you could never imagine such craziness in your, in, uh, unless you just, you know, the, the, the craziness of actually being there. Yeah. is something you probably can't describe. Yeah. I might try to, if I write it up or mm -hmm. something, if I could, I mean, you know, I'd be Burroughs, but right. it was it was it was the weirdest market we've been to. Yeah, and, and I uh, loved it. Yeah, I mean, I felt uneasy. I felt mm -hmm. maybe slightly in danger there. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, but I also thought, I mean, it was kind of almost like a thrill. But <laughs> it was just something you just had to see. So that was just, uh, I mean, I, we kind of sidetracked here a little bit, but just to tell you, I mean, mm -hmm. in Mexico, you go from. You know, we're staying in a pretty nice place, probably owned by these hipsters. And, you know, it's Airbnb. So to yeah. me, it's cheap. It was like 60 bucks a night. Yeah. Um, but then you go to some place like that and you think, wow, people live like this every single day. Exactly. And worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted Greg to experience those contra contrasts of Mexico. I think they're important. And tonight we went to this like incredible high class, mm -hmm. probably five star restaurant right. to have dinner. It's probably one of the best dinners I had in my life. I cried like mm -hmm. halfway mm -hmm. through half the dinner because the food was so good. Mm -hmm. And then this morning we were in this market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the that is Mexico. That's the surreal combination. Of we just had a bang in here, like a like exactly. a Carl Jung bang. Yeah, the, yeah, the universe is agreeing with us. And. I truly believe that that all that surreal elements of Mexican culture is uh, one of the reasons why something like the UFO phenomenon was embraced from the beginning by, by Mexican society. It wasn't that as frowned upon as in the United States. You know, yeah. like uh, in the United States, you see... Uh, the culture, or at least the high culture, like saying, no, 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 this is... Uh, or, yeah, the, the media, academia, science. Exactly. Culture. Yeah. And, and, and here I'm not saying that the academia, like, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, aliens are real. No, but, but popularly, they're just kind of like, people are okay with... Yeah, exactly. People say, oh, right, you, yeah, aliens are here, sure. The same way that, yeah, you know, that the Virgin came from the sky and appeared, and yeah. now it's now there in that, uh, in yeah. that tilma. And right. people have to realize, you know, do you go beyond that? Or it's not even beyond. It's just a different way of looking at yes. reality mm -hmm. and being less restrictive about what reality. You know, yeah, you know, exactly. Almost, you know, the subjectivity of the culture is part of the culture. Exactly. You yeah, know, exactly. it's like okay, that's what you believe. You're probably ignorant, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. We're not going to start a big movement to tell you what to believe. Sure. You sure. Know? Yeah, I remember when one of the uh, uh, what is this? A cardinal who is the one who was uh, uh, in charge of the basilica. It's a guy who was not even which Mexican. basilica? The Guadalupe Basilica. Okay, I'm talking some, somebody from the early two thousands. Yeah, mm -hmm. big, big scandal because he said, "Nah, yeah, obviously Juan Diego didn't exist." You know, he he was almost like a mythical, mythological figure. No, no, yeah, but the guy who's there to say that, you know, he was almost like kicked out of the country. <laughs> you, know, you cannot say that, yeah. you know. Uh, it's something that uh, you cannot attack uh, people's beliefs mm -hmm. that way. Uh, there is that idea that, okay, yeah, like I said, there's the objective culture and then the need for evidence 
and in Mexico that is that is there's something beyond that. There is what we could call magical realism. You know, that's mm. the, the, the things in which uh, magic and the fantastic is hand to hand with day and day routine. You know, you live by you breathe it every single day of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's why you know many people uh, play the lottery. You know, they they really they believe more in winning the lottery, even though they will never do it. You know, and they still buy their tickets religiously, like every year, instead of you thinking, well, you know, if I if I work hard enough, <laughs> and if I you know invest in my one hour my pension or whatever I'll, I'll manage to, to live by. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Mexico. That I was going to say that's kind of fatalist, but I was thinking that's actually less fatalist than the other way. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not fatalist. There's, yeah. okay, there's the idea that yeah, impending doom will, can happen at any moment. Like this, Mexico is a, a, a zone of high seismic activity. Right, we could die right now if yeah. there was a big earthquake, you mm-hmm. know, one, like one that the one that happened like just two years ago. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, and I was at the same time also. Well, obviously, even though that uh, Greg and I were very safe throughout uh, the, all the trip. Yes, Mexico is a city with a high incidence of uh, crime. Yeah, you know, people have to live with that. Yeah. Uh, every every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. You know. You can go and and, and go to work. You may not return in, the, in, in, in at night. Yeah. The next day. And and yet and yet we are not the kind of people uh, that have a doom and gloom view of things. There is this idea of getting by as best you can, of laughing of your misery. You know, uh, even laughing at death itself, you know, which is for me probably one of the reasons why Day of the Muertos has that uh, idea, you know, of using things that everybody will be scared shitless, like uh, death or skulls, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, they and have and make, Day of the Dead and they have skulls made out of sugar. Yeah, exactly. You and make, kids eat them. You make, you, you make, and you make something very playful with it. And yeah. you see, this is something that we've lived with it. Forever, you know, yeah. we see you see the the you go in the cemetery that. on Day of the Dead and put flowers on your ancestors' graves and yeah. say, you know, thanks for being there because otherwise I wouldn't be here, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you see that even in the, uh, in works of art that are three or four thousand years old, you see that veneration of the dead or that playfulness or that weird combination of uh, you know. The Aztecs, you will think, oh, you know, they, they are these badass uh, warriors. Well, yeah, and their, their, their ideal was to die in combats so that they could become hummingbirds. <laughs> and their soul could be transported by uh, butterflies. Butterflies, yeah. I, we yeah. saw representations of that in the, uh, in the uh, anthropology museum. Yeah. yeah. And, and also they, they were poets, you know. There's a lot of poetry in, 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 in the... Aztec tradition that survives to this day. So you say, well, you know, 
these are these badass people that were tearing hearts out of their enemies, but at the same time they have this sensitivity and, and, and this appreciation for the gentler parts of life, like flowers and, and, and birds and, 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 and butterflies. Again, these, these constructs is, is, is part, of, part of the Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. And that's all in the, you know, the, Okay, we thought that was an earthquake, but nah, it's people next it's door. It's people next door. <laughs> yeah, because if it was an earthquake, this room would have been shaky. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, uh, that, as you're saying, that carries through to now. That carries through the culture. That carries through the imagery. That carries through the goddamn DNA. Yes. Into people. And, um, you know, that's that's part of what goes on here. It. And you don't really realize it. Even me living in Southern California my entire life, being around the Hispanic culture, mm-hmm. speaking Spanish, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got by here without too much problem. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to, to Miguel's credit, he didn't make fun of my Spanish the whole time. No, no, <laughs> not at all. But without actually visiting here and with somebody who you know, lives here and is, is, is actually a Mexican citizen and grew up here and his family's been here for probably centuries. Um, you do not get this sense of what goes on here and why people act as they do and what's going on. And I have a great deal of love for the Hispanic culture. I always have. It's just that mm-hmm. I didn't know this stuff. Yeah. At least this deeply. So yes. I'll probably come back, you know, which, mm-hmm. in fact, I will and learn some more. Yeah. Maybe we'll go a little bit further and try not to get uh, kidnapped <laughs> by drug lords like my mother thought was going to happen. Yeah, uh, Mexico, Mexico surprises people. You know, there are, suppose there are these expectations of what you find or may not find in a city like this. This is one of the biggest cities in the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a forest, you know, just outside of it. And in one of our visits, we went to Xochimilco, which is like the last remnants of the lake. Our, our visits this week at Miguel yes, and I went. Yes, yes. Because I wanted to go see something there, which we will describe. Mm-hmm. You will, we will describe presently. And, and yeah, you cannot imagine uh, if you see those images, they'll say, oh, that was taken just outside this city where uh, 16, 20 million people, you know, live yeah. day by day. Yeah. We're Zohimilco. It's, it's uh, one of the last remnants of the lake mm-hmm. that the... Um, who was it that, that the Aztecs uh, uh, occupied on yes. an island in the middle of the lake that was built? You know, I think there was an island, but then they built. Yes, they expanded the island artificially. And, and, put, and put floating islands in and all that. Yes. And people lived on these things. So what's left are some of these floating islands south yes. of the, in the southern part of the city. Yes. Um, and you, you can't really tell they're floating when you're, the, when you're there. But, yeah. I mean, they just look like, you know, little islands. But yeah. I guess if you pushed on them hard enough, they might move. <laughs> well, we... Was, we, and, yeah. we're, we go down these canals. Yeah. It's like being in Venice, except for it's just all fields because people are growing flowers and mushrooms and, other, you know, whatever. They're, they're just growing things there because mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> there's water. I mean, the roots right. go down far enough, it's just in water. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very fertile. It's very fertile, very fertile soil. Well, artificial soil because of all the mud and all the organic... Uh, uh, yeah, it smelled material. like they were using horse and cow manure quite a bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. And this yes. has built up over the centuries. Yeah, and there, and there are uh, uh, waterfowl there, you know, ducks and cranes. And, a lot of cranes, and geese, actually. Yes. 
probably a lot of uh, frogs. Um, yeah. Although we didn't see any. I saw bubbles and disturbances on the water. I said, is that fish? And Miguel said, there's not enough oxygen in the water for yeah. fish. So I said, oh, probably frogs then. Yeah, probably frogs. Or axolotl. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, the famous uh, axolotl or ajolote. Yeah, the, uh, the underwater newt. Yeah, with exactly. the external breathing things that stick out of their face. Mm -hmm. you, usually you see those white ones on the... On the news, I think they're weren't they endangered for a while? They were, but uh, now they're being raised. They're being raised and they're being taken out of the uh, extinction. And and there's uh, these are protected species, and even uh, they're going to build some kind of museum in, in that place where mm. they, you know, so people can learn more about it. But what I wanted to see was the island of the dolls, which probably <laughs> some people have heard of. What mm -hmm. it is is a one of those floating islands. Is covered with trees, and on these trees, somebody is who know, I don't know who it is has tied a lot of old dolls, baby, baby, you know, baby dolls, um, you know, edge, any kind of doll you can think of, children's dolls, mm -hmm. and and parts of dolls, mm -hmm. and then for some reason they've also burnt them with blow torches or something, so some of them are burned. So it basically, it looks like some kind of like. Uh, some kind of hell populated by, you know, dead children tied to trees. Exactly. I don't know. It's, I guess it's one of the, those things that uh, happen very organically. Like, yeah. you know, maybe some some kid uh, discarded uh, her toy and, and then somebody had the idea, oh, yeah, let's, let's, put the, let's hang it on the tree, ho, ho, ho. And then somebody did the same and they kept going and going and going yeah. and, and uh, 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 until the tourists took notice as, oh, you know, what's over that over there? And it becomes a, a phenomenon. You mm -hmm. know, then Tim Burton, you know, the famous director, came to Mexico. They, he, someone took him to that place. He was totally blown away by it uh, because it's, it's, it's so resemblant of his own aesthetics. You know, yeah. These movies. And, and now they're even like knockoff versions of the same island. You know, we, we unfortunately, we didn't set foot on the original island for some reason we couldn't even uh, understand. Who knows? Who you have to knows? hire these guys that have these boats, yeah. like Venice, except they're about five times as big. They go yes. like 20 people and they have giant poles and they pull you along yes. through these through these canals. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And we almost got uh, uh, robbed by pirates. <laughs> I told Miguel, it's like, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, but there was actually pirates. Yeah. Um, we went by these two guys. I've got to tell this story because yeah, it's so surreal. Mm -hmm. We're going down this narrow, I don't know why he took this narrow, he's probably taking a shortcut. Probably. Anyway, and I hear these two guys talking and then these two kids, they come and sit probably in their, probably in their mid-teens, maybe late teens. Yes. And they both had hoods on, which yeah. freaked Miguel out. Yeah, because it was warm, you know. There was no reason for them to wear the police. Yeah. They, one of them's looking at their cell phone, and the other one is looking at us yes. with this look. And it's like, why is this guy not stop looking at us? Mm -hmm. As we get closer, I'm thinking, these guys might jump on the boat and try to rob us. Mm -hmm. So I quickly put my cell phone in my pocket, take my jewelry, my watch off. Mm -hmm. You know, when I see he turns away, I just quickly do this so he doesn't see me do it. Mm-hmm. And then as we go by, I've I have this thing that a friend of mine taught me who used to live in New York. If you see somebody that's threatening you, you imagine that if they touch you, you're going to kill them. Even if you can't do it yeah. and you have no weapon, you don't know what to do, 
you give them this look. I mean, if you think it in your head, it'll come up on, it'll show up on your face. But mm -hmm. I just thought, I looked at the guy, I said, you come anywhere near this boat and we're both going to kill you. Mm -hmm. We're going to kill you and throw you in the, in the water and go on with our lives. Mm -hmm. And then as we went by, just to emphasize this, I turned away and didn't look at him when they were the absolute closest to us. Mm -hmm. Just to show him like, one, I'm going to kill you. And two, I don't care if I'm not looking when you do it, I can still kill you. And then I don't know if that all this in my mind had any effect, mm -hmm. but they they went about their business and left us alone. But the guy was giving us this look. I was like, oh, Jesus, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and the boat guy actually looked kind of nervous about it. Oh, yeah. And he told us. Uh, and he's a younger kid, too. He was like, you yeah. know, he probably wasn't one of the older dudes. He no, was no, probably no. apprenticing or something. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was like a, the rookie in the business. And yeah. he told us, well, you can only be here like 10 minutes on uh, on this island. Said, okay. And he was nervous all the way. You know, the all, whole time we're on this island yeah. looking at the doll. I'll post pictures when I yeah. put this show up. But the whole time we're on their island taking pictures of these dolls, he's wandering around looking at us and looking around. And, and somebody like, oh. yelled. Yeah. And somebody started yelling at us from another one of the fields. Yeah. And it, it just seemed off. And there was a fire, remember? And when we were coming back, <laughs> This giant fire broke out on the bank somewhere, and firemen were yeah. out there with like axes and stuff, running to this brush fire and trying to put it out. And so, part of the time, we're going down this one of these waterways. It's like covered in smoke, and it feels like what are we apocalypse, apocalypse now. Apocalypse and I looked now, at Miguel yeah. and I said, "Don't get out of the boat." <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually fun adventure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was scary, but then, you know, after we got by there, it was actually kind of, I felt relieved and happy when we were going down that very wide, you know, one with all the families and the and the couples and stuff near us. Yeah. And these boats are just these giant flat boats. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, the, the canals are probably no more than five or six or eight feet deep. Yes, they are designed for those very shallow waters. They're called uh, trajineras. Ah. And they, they have uh, names of... Uh, Women, you know, the idea is that you... You mean uh, the, the boats? The boats. They yeah. all have these giant signs on the front. Like yeah. Sticking up probably 15, maybe 10 or 15 feet. Yes. And they have the yeah names of women on them. Mm -hmm. Some of them have other names on Which What was on our boat? It was something else. It wasn't actually a woman's name. I don't remember. And Miguel said the idea was that you bring your girlfriend there and you get on a boat that has the girlfriend's the, the, the name girlfriend, on. Yeah, to impress her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you better, you know, be courting a, a girl named Lupita, right? Because yeah. if she is like, I don't know, whatever her other name, uh, yeah. Madonna, you probably won't be able to. No, to, I don't to, think so. Yeah. And what else? Well, we went. To, oh, we went by one of the boats. I'm looking at the pictures now. It was Fatima. Ah, yeah, there was a Fatima, true. Yeah. I tried to paint, I think I tried to pay, take a picture of our boat because it had some different name. Eh, I'll see it on here. Anyway, I got some wonderful pictures of the the, um, the macabre, scary dolls. Right. Um, no, I didn't take a picture of our boat. I can't remember what the name of it was. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was a um, fun and surreal afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else we did? We went to uh, Cafe Havana. This is a place where Fidel Castro and Che Guevara used to, you know, go there, have breakfast. And, and plot and, revolution. And plot revolution. There's one little picture of them in the front as you as you leave. Mm -hmm. It's on the inside of the front door. Yeah. So there's that part of uh, Mex little Mexican history that not a lot of people know. Yeah. 
We tried to go to Frida Kahlo's house, but the the uh, line was so goddamn long. Uh, Miguel said, let's just go to Leon Trotsky's house. <laughs> we did that. We went to the house where Trotsky lived when he was in Mexico. Yeah. Where he was murdered. We were in the room where he was ice-picked to death. Yeah, exactly. And the guy lived in a, in a bunker. Yeah, the thing is like this nice house in the middle of this nice neighborhood in Coyacan, which is part of a neighborhood yes. of Mexico City. Yes. A district. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I don't know what it looked like before. But it had been built up into a fortress. The windows were bricked up all the way or most of the way. Mm-hmm. There was a guard tower a guard with tower. little holes in it so that mm-hmm. guards could shoot at people that came and tried to kill Trotsky because yeah. he was, you know, he was counter-revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was just interesting to see how he lived, when he got there, who he hung out with. It was literally, it was like three blocks from Kahlo's house. Yeah. And they hung out. That was the Leroods, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was deliberate mm-hmm. that they moved in near, uh, near Frida Kahlo and um, uh, uh, Diego Rivera. Yes. Yeah. 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 They 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 were friends of uh, of uh, Trotsky and and his wife. And uh, yeah, that's part of well, obviously there, there there was a moment in Mexico City and in Mexico's uh, politics yeah. that was kind of like uh, left winning, you know, like. Uh, uh, more communist, uh, and obviously uh, during the time of uh, President Lázaro Cárdenas, is talking before the Second World War, when Mexico nationalized oil, uh, there was that going on, and also that time when Mexico was very, uh, very proud of our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, there was not that much of a an American influence because uh, Americans were too busy well fighting fascism in <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. So, so there is that, and, and then they turn their attention to fighting fascism in Latin America. So. Yeah, well, let's not talk. Let's not go there. All right. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, the fir- I don't know what pe- what people are expecting when they hear this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, especially today, because of where we are. Um, uh, one other thing we did, which was pretty amazing, was go to the lucha libre. Ah, yes. We went to the, basically the national arena for Mexican wrestling. Right, right. And we watched a two-hour wrestling show. Two-hour wrestling like show. With like four or five acts. Yes, yes. Actually, it was over two hours. It was like two and a half. Two and a half, yes. Yeah. And apparently it was televised. Televised, yeah, because there were like uh, national championships. On there, you know, people, some, of, some of those guys uh, won uh, belts mm-hmm. of champions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Apart from the fact, oh, it's fake. And, uh, yeah. I went to, when we were at Paramania, I went to WrestleMania and I'm yeah. sitting there and it's in this, you know, hundred and four, I don't know how many thousand seat arena in uh, Dallas, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty full. We were in the nosebleeds and I started, I was like, okay, I'll go because <laughs> I'm not interested in wrestling. So mm-hmm. I went and after about 10 minutes, I realized I'm watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm basically watching a, a, a cartoon, mm-hmm. a synchronized cartoon. Mm-hmm. So I told Miguel, I come to Mexico and I really want to go see this, the, the Lucha Libre. Because, yeah. it's, because, you know, it's a lot weirder. And I'm sitting there in the audience there. One, it's not nearly the size. So you can see very yeah. well. You don't have to look at TV monitors or anything. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have great seats, mm-hmm. but we had seats on the floor. I mean, it's close yeah. enough. You could see what was going on. Not sure. And what I noticed was, and I told Miguel, was like, you know, if if uh, American wrestling is Hanna-Barbera cartoons, yes. Mexican wrestling is like Tex Avery cartoons. Totally. 
And there's, it's much more insane. There's a lot more with the costumes and the masks. The masks are very important. I didn't realize sure. a couple of times they would like grab people by the mask and drag them around by the mask yeah, and yeah. tear them. It's like, oh no, he's going to tear his mask yeah, off. Yeah, it's, it's a great sign of disrespect. Yeah. Yeah, to do that. Uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's some, almost like uh, the way, almost like the remnant of, the, of an Aztec ceremony or some kind of like, almost as if you were witnessing the evolution of, of what the people in Mesoamerica were doing when they were playing ball game. You know, something that is uh, almost like a ceremony. You know, it feels, it feels like a mixture between uh, Christian carnival, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an Aztec uh, sports. Uh, because Some the, kind of forgotten Aztec sport yeah, that was besides the ball playing. Yeah, you know, the same way that you, we, we know that... Uh, American football is some kind of almost like a recreation of war, war yeah. right? Yeah. The same way here with the, uh, the Aztecs when they were to but, war, yeah, they like also the... used masks, okay. right? Yeah. Some, some... And the Aztec death whistle. And the Aztec death <laughs> whistle. And, 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 and you have all of that, you know? And obviously, you know, yeah, you know, it's fake, but it, it's weakened once again with this idea of Mexico surrealism. Yeah. You know, how... Even in the fakeness. Uh, yeah, but the thing used to be that's else. like saying that cartoon was fake. Yeah. That's not the point. No, not the, the point. The point is what's going on in the cartoon, what the character is doing, what the mythology is behind them. Yes. I mean, there's mythology running through a cartoon and definitely exactly. through this. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'll see these these guys playing the, the part of one one of the heroes, like all the, 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 lo, the Los Tecnicos. And the other way, that's what the, they call the, 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 the hero, the, the good side, the, the hero side, side is called yeah. Los Tecnicos for yeah. some reason. And there are the villains, you know, the ones who wear masks of demons or... or yeah, or, they're all or, sort of darker colored or whatever. Exactly. Although one of them I was confused because the good guys were like bright pink and the bad guys were white and, and turquoise. No, the bad guys were uh, bright pink for some reason. Oh, okay. For some reason I thought the... the but that, that, that round actually the bad guys won, I think. Yeah, it's, fu- it's funny because... Because sometimes the bad one, guys win. Yeah, sometimes the bad guys win. And it's funny because one of those guys... And when they win, guys, people boo them. One of the, <laughs> one of the bad guys' uh, name was El Templario, like the Templar. And I say, well, ah. this guy need, has to lose because he's Friday the 13th. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but yeah he we won. went on Friday the 13th, that's right. But he won. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, there's, sure. maybe there was some there was some planning there. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, it was, you know, uh, oh, and the athleticism. It's like, there's nothing, like, at Paramania, I'm sorry, at uh, WrestleMania, yeah. the finale is a guy jumping off, like, you know, the top of the fence right. and landing on a guy it's in the, the pit. the climax, yeah. Yeah. In this one, that's going on practically the whole time. Right, yeah, right. There's people leaping from 10, 15 higher in the air and landing on people that are down in the pit below the ring. Yeah. And but, this is constantly going on yeah. after a certain point, it's like. Yeah, possibly. How do they do this without killing themselves? Without, without injuring themselves. Yeah. yeah, incredible athleticism. Yeah, possibly the only thing that is missing from, you know, American wrestlers is they, they don't grab chairs, you know, to, to bash No, them. no, no, they grab each other. They grab each but other. But they do, like, you know, cool things like acrobats would do. Like, they'll they'll hold on to each other and, like, start rolling. And, you know, <laughs> and you can tell, you know, they're cooperating with each other to do this. But, yeah. Yeah. 
And they have the little... Throw uh, a guy 10 feet in the air and then he lands on his back. Yeah. Jesus, how did he do that? <laughs> you know? and, and they have their little midget minions, you know, on each Oh, side. yeah, they had midgets, uh, <laughs> yeah, watching from the sidelines. And occasionally they'd get involved. One time a couple of the guys went over and started kicking the minion in the head. Oh, yeah, people Everybody went wild. Everybody was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the, also the, the political uh, in, uh, incorrectness. Of the whole spectacle, supposed mm-hmm. to be uh, for the whole family. There were children there, you know. Oh yeah, kids love it. Yeah, the kids love it, and 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 even you see uh, old ladies like my, almost like my mother, seventies and eighties, like screaming their eyes out, "Puta!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a, that. It's a very Amazing. nasty uh, Spanish insult. Yeah, and, uh, and Miguel told me that's about the last place you can use that insult in public. Probably, yeah. Because yeah. it's theatrical. Yeah, exactly. Makes so it's it... not really actually calling somebody a puto. No, no, it's part of the act, you know, the yeah. same way that uh, the guy... Which, if people don't know, is basically a male um, prostitute. Yeah. That's where it came from, but it's yeah, come to mean like, a lot of like, other yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, and it's part of the macho culture that we would probably need to... Def- no, not probably. We need to eradicate, but... Yeah. Again, we, we go out to the contrast, you know. This is uh, 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 something that the kids watch. The, the, the kids love to play with luchador uh, toys. Yeah. But they go to this place and they see their parents and even their grandmother, you know, <laughs> go and yell and insult, and insult these uh, Yeah, they don't cover luchadors. their ears. It's just yeah. like, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never heard anybody, well, there were a few actual swear words yeah. that were worse than that, but it was yeah. very rare, I think. Yeah. Most people there have a good time and just, you know, yell. Miguel yelled a lot. Well, I, I <laughs> he thought... He got a sore throat. Well, yeah, yeah. He got a sore throat because, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a wrestler fan. I'm told this is the second time that I've, that I've gone to, to Arena Mexico. But I figure, well, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. You know, we're going to engage with it and... and, and only that is when you enjoy it, you know? mm-hmm. because if you're you're there with us, it's like, oh, it's all fake, you know. You know how long is? Well, get out! Yeah, you 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 are going to have a turn. Yeah. It's like terrible saying time. a cartoon's fake. It's like exactly. saying a movie's fake. It's yeah. like saying a play is fake. It's yeah. like saying the circus is fake. Yeah, yeah. All those things yeah. combine in that spectacle. To yeah, me. yeah, yeah. It's like going to the last Star Wars movie and starting to debate, you know, about. The finer points of of the plot, or whether Ray, well, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but you get you get the gist of it, guys. Yeah. So, Um, and wow, I get. We did other things. Oh, today we went to the um, Inquisition and Torture Museum. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is also wild. Wait, I think I might have if I can find it on here. You didn't notice I was doing this, but they gave us little headphones. Ah, you were recording? I took my headphone and I took one of the headphones and put it on the microphone on my phone so I could record what they were saying. Let me see if I can find one of them because it was insane. Here's one. That was today. No, that's the... Oh, that's the dancing. There are uh, what we call conchero dancers, like... uh, Dressed in, in Aztec attire, just outside of uh, National the Cathedral. Inquisitors with the same authority were responsible for each court and governed together with the help of their assistants, notaries, police, and advisors. They also had a sort of council, which was composed by clergymen and lawmen to 
verdict. Things. <laughs> they didn't put any kind of like uh, uh, special effects of yells and, and, and cries of women. Okay. Victims did suffer permanent damage and died immediately or soon after the results of torture. Thus, when the court ordered that the prisoner had to be questioned under torture, it did so by declaring that if the accused die, be maimed, or suffer bloodshed after the mutilation of members, it shall be the fault of the condemned rather than ours. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's well, I mean, the, you see there are sculptures representing the many and uh, rather... Uh, ingenious way to inflict uh, a lot of pain yeah. to human beings and and I, I I was thinking all along you know how there are many of our friends who call themselves uh, witches you know, mm -hmm. who, who follow some kind of a magical practice yeah and well the way that uh, people who uh, pursue uh, you know those practices well were, were, were the main goal of the Holy Inquisition, you know, mm -hmm. all, all the women that were burned at stake mm -hmm. for being the witches event if they, you know, were Yeah, well, Jeff basically because somebody was jealous. You're right. Somebody would accuse a woman because, you know, he wouldn't go out with her yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. And the, the, which, you know, all they needed was the accusation. Yeah, and the other thing was they were talking about was, you know, if you would accuse somebody first, then yes. you might not get the finger pointed at you. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, imagine be uh, kind of uh, sounds familiar. Being yeah, imagine being sequestered from your house and landed a place and not even knowing why they what what are the charges. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what they are accusing you of. You yeah. just they just want. Are you going to confess? Yeah, uh, confess uh, what? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't do anything. Oh no, you 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 will confess, my yeah. friend. Yeah, and after, you know, five minutes sometimes of this, you would confess to anything. Or five and then of hours. Course, yeah, or yeah. five hours. Yeah. Then, of course, you're sentenced to death. Yeah, exactly. So you don't really, it doesn't really matter. So maybe some people resisted just because they thought, well, maybe I can get out of this somehow. Because I knew they were going to die. Yes. You know, so. Um, but, the, you know, I just, I, actually yesterday I told Miguel, it's like, what's the weirdest museum here? You said there's more museums here than probably almost anywhere in the world. Yes, and he said, well, I don't know, maybe the torture museum. Mm -hmm. So we went there today because it was one of the few places it was open. The other thing that amazed me about Mexico here, and you don't think about it if you're not here or if you're here, you don't notice, is the syncretism of the Aztec or whatever, the Native, Amer Native Mexican mm -hmm. belief system and religions with the, Az uh, with the Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Now, most people think, well, Catholicism took over and they stamped it all out. It's like, no. Not at all. Mm -hmm. no. We're at the uh, Virgin of Guadalupe, the, the the complex there with all the different. There's there's a bunch of different churches, temples, monuments, yes. statues, beautiful statues and parks. One part of it, there's Aztec snake heads sticking out of the side of the of the of the hill, yeah. right across from the Virgin statue of the Virgin. Yes, and it's you know with this beautiful waterfalls coming out of the mouth. It's like, what the hell is that doing here? Yeah, yeah. Why are there why are there Aztec serpents at a Catholic, a probably one of the most important Catholic uh, sites in the world. Yeah, because she is the Tonatzin. She is our the goddess of uh, of, of this land. You know? mm -hmm. And even when uh, they celebrate uh, the anniversary of the apparition on December twelfth, along with uh, mariachi music and whatever, there are also uh, you know conchero uh, dancers the same as we saw. 
uh, outside the cathedral, you know, with these giant Aztec headdresses and semi-naked. Yeah, this this and, morning we saw, yeah, Aztec yeah. dancers outside the yeah. National Cathedral. And they are dancing and they are, you know, burning copal. Incense, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in we, we, we both, right outside the church, Miguel and I both got uh, cleansing by yeah, exactly. a curandera. By a curandera. Which woman? Mm. Who was actually very, when she was giving me all the instructions to do everything, yeah. she's very gentle night, and she smiled at me when it was done. Yeah. It was very pleasant, actually. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then right across, right outside the door, they're selling magazines with like half-naked women on the cover. <laughs> right outside the door of the church. Yes, yes. Which I thought was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another thing about Mexico. It's like, okay, don't sell them in the church, but yeah, that's fine right there. We don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's part, that's part of Mexico, you know. See uh, people, you know, uh, middle-aged ladies uh, going with their... their Probably going to mass with their heads, heads covered, and also you see punk kids crossing the streets, and also you can see a, a, a gay couple holding hands. Yeah, I've yeah. seen. I saw men and uh, women, gay couples holding hands and walking. It's like yeah. I did not think that would be possible in Mexico, but Maybe Mexico either. City. Yeah, in Mexico, yeah, Mexico City is uh, has become. Incredibly tolerant, unfortunately, not so much uh, uh, on other parts of the country. Yeah. But uh, I think we're getting we're getting there. You know? Yeah, yeah. So there were there were I think there were gay and lesbian couples in the torture museum today, and it's, there were young kids too. I think yeah. they were there still to get yeah. a thrill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how cool that that even that young they're being left alone. They can do what they want. That's you know. Yeah. That's it's so not what you think that Mexico would be like. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the machistic culture, obviously, it's still there. And, and uh, Greg saw uh, when we went to the Socalo Plaza, uh, the, the, the pavement is all covered with graffiti left by protests. This is the main, like, plaza. That's Huge, a, like, probably quarter, half mile on the side. Easily, easily. Uh, uh, plaza. In the middle is probably the biggest Mexican flag. Probably might have been the big, biggest flag I've ever seen. Mexican flag. But all mm-hmm. around it is this... Go ahead. Uh, all these graffiti is left by, by protests that happened uh, almost like two days prior to your arrival mm-hmm. uh, uh, of uh, feminists that are protesting uh, the, the deaths of women that have been increasing in recent years. Even, you know, I, I was kind of like uh, relieved that uh, Greg decided to scheduled his arrival by Tuesday because had he come Monday, uh, maybe we'll be problems because there were no women in all of Mexico uh, on Monday. They decided to, to make this uh, boycott. Protest day. Yeah, the protest day with day. no women. They just all stayed home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's this is what's going on in Mexico now. All of this and, and, and more. Yeah, there's a lot of change coming here. Yeah. Hopefully that, it spreads throughout the country yeah. and uh, I mean, they did some dumb things like put graffiti on lots of things. Sure. In fact, I even saw they graffitied up and you showed me a, a statue by an incredible surrealist artist named Leonora Carrington, who's yes. British, yeah. and she lived here for the last 20, 30 years of her life. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of her work. Me too. But there was a, there was a, a statue um, that she had either designed or made or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was covered with feminist symbols. It's like, yeah, exactly. it's a woman artist. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, ignorance. Yeah. You, you, you cannot escape uh, 
ignorant people, even if they have their best their best intentions. Right. No, I'm not calling the movement stupid. Sure. I was just kind of kind no, of no, dumbfounded that they didn't I know. I am against uh, vandalism, even you know, for the for the noblest intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's what what's going on. I mean, all of these that's going on in the world, right? I mean. But Don't worry, Radio Mysterioso audience. I'm not changing this show into an examination of Mexican culture no. or any culture for the rest of It's just that I'm here exactly. this week. Miguel's been my um, tour guide and friend, and you know, and 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 I told him you're kind of my uh, uh, my my my, my um, psychologist, my therapist too, just yeah. because I've been able to talk to you about yeah. things. Um, and just being here and experiencing this has uh, right. made a huge difference in my mental state. Yeah. Um, so I want to, you know, one talk about that, honor that, and uh, just the, you know, the incredible. If I came here by myself, I wouldn't have done ten percent of the things that we've done. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. No, well, you're welcome, man. Yeah, maybe people will find this boring, but it's either this or, or you know, freaking out about uh, the coronavirus. Uh-huh. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that, and I'm hearing from people in Los Angeles when I get back there, and there's quarantines, you can't go out to public places anymore, yeah. it's just like, I left there and everything was fine. Yeah. I'm coming back and everything's, civilization's turned upside down, yeah. sort of. And the and that hasn't hit us here in Mexico yet. Yeah, Mexico is just kind of creeping in yeah, now, people yeah. are sort, I saw like, Five more people with masks today than right. I saw yeah. five days ago. Yeah, yeah, no, no. They're starting, just starting to cancel uh, public events. Yeah, we went just... to the um, Tim Benaltos. That was the last Lucha Libre event they're going to have right. for the foreseeable future. We right. just happened to be at the last one on yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. So everything kind of like synced out uh, perfectly, you know, that yeah. you, had you decided to make your trip uh, next week. Next week, it will be. Total difference. Yeah, know. everything might be shut down like it is in most places in the United yeah. States right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm going back into Surrealistville. Um, yes. And I don't know what you know. I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know what how, how yeah, people are going to feel. Still, I don't know how you know with my parents. I don't even know if I should go anywhere near them. Yeah, but since you're being being training in Mexican surrealism, <laughs> maybe, maybe American surrealism will be won't be so much of a shock. You know. Yeah, and also, you know, I feel a lot more grounded in whatever. Um, not so prone to panic when I get... I mean, I'm not anyway, but just this grounding and like, yeah, you know what? Even without the stupid virus thing, yeah. people have crazy, weird, sometimes very screwed up lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and they deal with a lot more than I would ever deal with, ever, mm-hmm. in my life. Never have and never will. I, I hope not. Mm-hmm. And you need that... Uh, you need that uh, perspective. I mean, it, it, the only thing you get that the only way you get that is with travel. So, yes. And I'm glad I came here. I'm going to come back during uh, bullfight season, I think. Mm-hmm. So no matter what anybody listening thinks, I don't think there should be bullfighting either. They should ban it. But I'm going to see it while it's still here because it's something that won't exist anymore, probably in Mexico, True. maybe in a few years. Yeah, probably ten or so. Yeah, and it's you know good riddance, but still, I want to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I. Uh, Oh, when I first got here, do you want to talk about the 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 um, witness of another world outtakes? Oh well, it's still a working process, but uh, we're we're helping out Alan Stiegelman to release 
uh, outtakes from his documentary Witness of Another World, Testigo de Otro Mundo, uh, on his YouTube channel. And I'm in the process of uh, finishing, finishing translating the, 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 the audio in order to, to include the subtitles and syncing the subtitles with the, with the video. Uh, hopefully this will be released, uh, well, obviously it depends on, on Alan entirely, but, uh, uh, on my end, probably this week. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, we, uh, we'll inform you guys when you manage to see it. I feel it's an important, uh, uh, material because here you see, well, without spoiling it away, here you see Juan, who is the, the main uh, subject of the documentary. Subject of the documentary. This guy who who went through this uh, uh, incredible experience when he was just twelve years old, mm -hmm. and he's conversing uh, very freely and very spontaneously and very messily with another <laughs> of the witnesses. You know, Carlos. I mean, they're speaking colloquial Spanish in Argentina very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're changing from one subject to the other and they're talking... This is the first time they met, really, to yes, talk about it. Yes, like, the what? First that happened to you? That happened to me, too. Oh, well, this was different. No, no, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's some weird stuff that happened to you that's not in the film. Yeah, so it's raw. It's unfiltered. Nobody's there to, like, tell, okay, but explain carefully to the audience what you said. No, no, no. No, it's just them going... Bum, bum, 100 miles an hour at each other. Exactly. Like I told Greg, you know, this is an example of how two individuals who experience the impossible and they're, I guess they're so happy to be in the presence of someone who went to a similar... Yeah, you know, basically said, oh, through the I'm, same thing or at the same time, all that, or near the same time mm -hmm. and just the relief there. Yeah, it's the like, you don't think I'm nuts. I don't so, believe it. What happened to you? Oh yeah. my God. You know, it's like, yeah. and there's similarities and there's a lot of differences, but yes. they know they're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Some, some very interesting similarities, which I won't spoil, but, uh, you see, uh, aside from, from the, the narratives they're sharing, but also, uh, things that have, uh, happen as an aftermath of, of these experiences that happened in 1978 and, and that have, Followed them mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. throughout and their adult them. lives and affected them sometimes in negative ways and sometimes in in, in, in bizarrely positive ways. Yeah. So th that that was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Also, there's the um, what else happened in the world of the paranormal this week? Um, UFO Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we won't talk about well, UFO we'll Twitter. Talk about this thing where you are going to appear, which uh, this thing that is going to be released very shortly. Oh, you mean um, um, on the trail of the UFOs? Well, you are a star in that. Uh, I don't know. Are you not? I'm it, uh, the the filmmaker Seth Breedlove says I'm in six of the episodes. No, I don't know how your many name is in IMDb. So you know. yeah, if you look up uh, on the trail of UFOs on IMDb, I guess it's being released on the twentieth. In twentieth, yes. On the twentieth, which is in four days. So yeah. apparently, and I guess it's going to be on like Amazon and Vimeo. Yeah, um, I, uh, him uh, and Shannon Legro, the host of Into the Fray, yes. uh, went around the country talking to UFO researchers and I guess some witnesses. 
um, about one, their experiences, and two, classical cases that nobody really talks about, at least in the depth that they went into them. Uh, they came to Los Angeles in November, um, sat me down for about three hours mm. in this nice house in the Hollywood Hills that they rented. Apparently, it's their view of, you know, what's going on in the UFO world right now. Uh, and it makes me happy that I actually, I mean, it sounds like a good product. I haven't seen it yet, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not one of those things where somebody comes in and asks you questions, you kind of stop and go, what do you mean by that? That's completely irrelevant to what's going on. Okay. Their questions to me seem to be relevant, pertinent. intelligent, pertinent, you know, nice. which is why I enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, that that's coming out on the 20th, on the trail of the UFOs. Okay. And what else? I don't know what else has been happening <laughs> in in UFO land. Nothing really, because I've been one. You know, coronavirus took over the entire news cycle, and yeah. also, I mean, it just sucked the air out of the UFO thing. Well, don't, don't you, know you realize that the coronavirus was released by the the deep state in order to stop? Yeah, to stop the closure. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> It's funny. It gets to the point where you can write your own crazy script and somebody says it. Exactly. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may be true, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sun may not come up tomorrow morning. I mean, it's that yeah, kind of exactly. thing. So, just like 9-11, but in a lot faster, seemingly a lot more quickly, because news cycles and everything happen so much quickly, even, um, even faster than in 2001, it seemed to have uh, sucked the air out of everything. Um, the only upshot, the upshot, the only upside is that maybe, you know, people quarantine and sitting in and hopefully it doesn't screw the economy too badly, which mm-hmm. I'm afraid it will. But mm-hmm. we'll be able to, you know, uh, listen to, consume, read more stuff, um, listen to shows. I'm going to try and in the next week or two here, I've got four shows sitting in the can that I haven't released. Mm-hmm. One with Shannon uh, Taggart. Um, because her book was released a while ago. Sorry, mm-hmm. Shannon, no. uh, for not. Kevin Day, I did an interview with him, and that's gonna, I'm going to post that. And uh, Michael Masters, who wrote uh, uh, Identified Flying Objects, and mm-hmm. basically the idea of you know time travelers from the future is what UFOs is. And no, he doesn't believe it. <laughs> he just says, look, what is the possibility? And I'm sure he's been on 100 shows and talked about it, but my take with him was... What are the possibilities? Uh, what presently, and this is what his book was about. If we take this as a premise, what in modern physics will tell us that time, backwards time travel is possible? Mm. So he goes through a few theories about. They used to say backward time travel was not possible, but he explains. Well, theoretically, some people say it is, and if mm. it is, what are the implications of that? So that's what we talked about on the show. So that the, those are three of the shows that are coming up. And then obviously this one, I'll post this one as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, probably without too much editing, except for some of the no. No, we like the noise. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the tamales. So yeah, the, don't edit out the tamales. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I when I have when I have friends on, I never write uh, uh, questions. So this yeah. is a free form, and most of it was a travel log. So I hope you don't mind listening to travel log. Sure. Not that we're done. What were you going to say? Uh, I just wanted, to, you know, it, it, we're not, I don't know if we're wrapping things up or not. It's, yeah, we could. Uh, I do not put a, I don't put a um, time limit on the show sure. anymore. I'm just kind of like somewhere between an hour or well, two. That's the, what I tell everybody. You know, if there, we don't if, have ads. This is totally for free. If so. there's someone with questions, yeah, we can answer them. Yeah, you, yeah. If you want to, if you want to throw a question on the, uh, on the Radio Mysterioso chat room. 
uh, show chat. It's, oh, we've lost some of our chat people. But oh. if you want to go up to the show chat on writingmysterioso.com and throw a question up there, or, you know, I guess in the in the um, Facebook group uh, underneath the announcement for the show, right. go right ahead. And uh, we'll... we'll, we'll uh, Kick it around, or right. you know, um, say that's not my fault, or no, I didn't do that, or that's a lie. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, oh God, I uh, Miguel had never seen the Bill Hader Stefan character from Saturday Night Live. We binge watched every single. It took like an hour, hour and a half. Easy. Every single appearance of Stefan, the Bill Hader character, the the the, the city correspondent. Uh, uh, entertainment guy from you know fake entertainment guy from Saturday night sometime I guess that was in the early 2000s mid 2000s mid 2000s yeah and uh, yeah we, we both I mean anytime I'm depressed or I think I'm getting sick because I think laughter helps um, I, I binge watch these Stephons because mm-hmm. they're they're amazing mm-hmm. and Bill Hader's an you know, amazing comedic actor and the cool thing about him is he he seems to have no ego about it Mm-hmm. Which is like unheard of. Yes. So I mean, I really respect him for what he does, and also I mean, the, the character is like, you know, way obviously out gay character, yes. which makes it way funnier. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the fact that he does this so well. Yeah. You know, and we, we've been saying lines from it. What did you do this summer, <laughs> Stefan? All, All of, of it. it. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do on your trip with Miguel? All of it. <laughs> we went everywhere. You went everywhere. Now, I just wanted to add this, uh, that uh, I don't know about you guys, but I really feel that 2020, uh, someone cranked up the crazy level to 11. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way the year, the year started, I mean, <laughs> we started with all with an almost war with Iran. Yeah. Uh, Australia was on fire. Yep. The Amazon was on fire. The Amazon was on I think Amazon is still, still on fire. And, and, and now we have this. Yeah. And aside with, uh, also with, uh, uh, Kaliuga, is coming. Yeah. With an oil war between Russia, Russia and China and, and the stock markets going down the path. So what I'm saying is, what is the catchphrase for 2020? So far it's, <laughs> it's exactly. <laughs> things are getting weirder. Things are getting more surreal. But I guess getting back to what we we're saying here, uh, you see Mexican society, Mexican culture, we somehow managed to live with the surreal. Yeah. You know, you get by in living with, with, with surreal, with surrealism and with uh, some certain level of uncertainty. And you get by and, and, and Mexican people are incredibly happy, you know, besides all their hardships in their lives and, and, and all the problems. And, Mexican people get by, and, and maybe that's kind of like a, 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 an advice I would give to people, you know, who are listening to this and who are also worrying that, that things seem to be getting out of control. Uh, I think people will manage to get by, you know, have faith, uh, don't, uh, don't lose, don't freak out, uh, stop hoarding toilet paper for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, 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 things that will probably get weirder still. Mm-hmm. We, God knows what we're going to talk about, like in September, for all we know. You know, maybe disclosure will happen. Uh, and, and, and this Yeah, but, but not the disclosure you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not the disclosure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But, so yeah, let's let's embrace the weirdness and let's embrace uh, living in in a, in a state of uh, eternal surrealism. You know, because yeah, it's the only way to survive. Yeah, and and and, and life can. You know be what? The, the disclosure will become self-evident if you live with the probably if you it's live with the surrealism. You know, yeah, it will it will become even you know not that important because we'll have more interesting things to discuss mm-hmm. and to worry about. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the reason I tagged Dave Metcalf and Diana Pasolka and uh, Susan, uh, our, our friend Susan uh, Demeter St. Clair in the uh, post for the show was um, Dave actually, we we're sitting here yesterday. He goes, so what are you going to do? You're going to do a show from Mexico? And I was like, I hadn't really thought of that. <laughs> That's genius. So thanks Dave for suggesting that. And then Diana, because uh, she continues to be an inspiration. Also, she, when we were at the uh, um, Virgin of Guadalupe Chapel, she said, you know, she's actually a, you know, she could be considered a goddess. She's a goddess figure. Yes. So think about that when you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, she said she's a heavy, you know, heavy duty goddess. Um, you know, in the in the in the the deepest tradition tradition of that yes. archetype. Um, and uh, Susan, because she's actually helped me a lot. Uh, like all my friends, mm-hmm. um, uh, through these last couple of months when I've been a little weirded out. Yeah. So, oh, for... oh, oh, get... also, uh, Susan is going to release uh, a book. Yes. Very soon. Yeah. The Cosmic Well, not Witch. very soon. Well, not very soon, but it is coming. Yeah. It is coming. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to already uh, read parts of it. And I think it's the, per- the timing is perfect. For the, the culture to embrace mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. All the people that came on and, and uh, liked us. So, yeah. Uh, thanks, Patty, Teresi, Stephanie, yeah. mm-hmm. Paul Kimball, who retweeted. Uh, retweeted uh, re, re, uh, uh, he, he relinked the... Uh, uh, show announcement. Oh, mm-hmm. Our friend Miles Earl Gray from LA Mufon, who's been very nice to me. David Perkins, a guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos, our longtime friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ um, Bufo, also known as uh, UFO Watchdog. Chris O'Brien, longtime friend. Yeah, he yeah. might have been on the show more times than anybody else, actually. Mm-hmm. Jeff Krause, also from LA Mufon. Tina Sena, our very longtime friend and longtime listener. Gil, mm-hmm. same thing, Gil Bavel. Uh, Chris Charbonneau, Pandora, Spocks, James Archer, Bob Mary, <laughs> Richard Davis, Jeff Weir, Rick Norman, Rich Morley, Serena Catrone, John Hayes, Linda Woods, Wendy Howell, James Nettles III, Richard Otto. Wow, a lot of people like this. Dude. <laughs> Mark Brady, Todd Fry, Kirk Walker, Marco Acevedo, and my, uh, Michael Reynolds. All, thank you so much for um, listening to the show and, and liking it on Facebook. And uh, I will post this probably within the next couple of weeks because when I get home I will have a lot of time to do these things <laughs> just like a lot of other people that yeah. are doing the, doing this kind of stuff writing and looking into this weirdness I found the best friends of all through this weirdness I just found this like cabal of people that have always been strange and they've managed somehow to like turn it into some adult pursuit that doesn't look too stupid right uh, or whatever but you know what it, it allows us to still be kids but mm-hmm. be adults at the same time, and that's wonderful. So, um, uh, hey, Miguel, what have we been listening to or not listening to that I can look up on um, 
uh, YouTube possibly that you want to hear at the end since you're the guest? I always go with the Cafe Tacuba. Okay. And we went to Cafe Tacuba. Exactly. Yeah, we went to Cafe Tacuba. Which is one. a restaurant. Which is a restaurant. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Chicabanda. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you for being a friend and showing me around this week. De nada, de nada. And Radio Mysterioso is back, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you, guys. Thanks. Ella solo dijo, ella solo dijo, ella solo dijo.